Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. And today we are talking about something we have talked about before, but we are getting uh, into more nitty-gritty on the topic. We're talking about universality in this episode, and uh, we covered this once before, Long time ago. Do you remember how long ago that was? Yeah, a couple like, years ago. But I this time we're going to talk about not just the relationship between the particular and the universal, but I think what we're going to call competing universalities. Yes, we are. That's right. Because uh, there can only be one, like right. the Highlander. So, so one will yeah. win at the end, and we'll we'll just, we'll let the uh, listeners decide. In yeah, their votes, right. who wins? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just kidding. Right. Don't, yeah, don't vote. <laughs> don't vote. No. <laughs> it'll <laughs> hurt right. my feelings yeah, too much. Yeah. It'll hurt. Yeah, right. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you're covering for me. It would hurt my feelings. I, mine would hurt more. I win on... No, I'm just, I'm no, just kidding. Okay. So, okay. We're going to start, though, um, by being really clear, uh, because uh, sometimes it's important to, uh, you know, as good scholars of Hegel, it's, under, it's important to understand through negation. So I'm going to be really literal about this. Um, and where the room for universality is, um, is on the other side of the particular. This is why we talked about it in the previous episode, but it's worth going through not a rehearsal of that episode, but just a working through of what, when one says the particular, what one means and, uh, what kind of, uh, philosophical, uh, traditions this is a part of, and even like what kind of institutions like, like, uh, you know, American and global institutions, the particular is a part of, because that's, I, I think very going to be very important later on in this conversation. So, uh, where do we want to start with the particular? Well, I think we can start with Britain, right? Like the, the divide between <laughs> the English Channel is in some way the divide. So universality really, it's really Plato who's the first figure of universality. And then that gets mm-hmm. all through the tradition, even the scholastic medieval tradition in, in Europe, that becomes the dominant way of, of thinking and thinking in terms of universal, even though Aristotle resists that because he thinks the universal has to be embodied in some way. Mm-hmm. So, and then when empiricism, so with Hobbes, then Locke and Berkeley and and Hume, that's where the particular really gets its, its, its um, you know, people put the, the stallion, the, they, they take up the, the point of the particular. And mm-hmm. that's, it's really, and, the, and so this conflict between it's interesting now the conflict is between continental and analytic philosophy and it's still kind of the english channel divides it right <laughs> but 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 for a while and i think you could maybe even think what we're talking about in those terms as well but for a while it was empiricism in britain and dialectics and even the thinkers that weren't dialectical like Descartes and Spinoza, they still were focused on universality. Spinoza, really, even though he's mm-hmm. a non, again, a non-dialectical thinker so, because he doesn't allow for negation. So, so that, I think that's where the particular really gets, gets born in it. So the, the idea is that we start with, we start with individual things, right? Like mm-hmm. that's particularism or empiricism, that we, we don't start with universal concepts. Instead, we start with individual, isolated, particular things, and then we build up from that to formulate universals, if we do, or concepts. Right. Okay. And this, um, so this is where so much of, I think, 
contemporary um, academic thought is, is in this um, particularist uh, mindset. And I think if you want to take this out of the the trajectory of uh, philosophy and put it in like maybe like a more like day-to-day term that is still nonetheless reflective of uh, what we are talking about. And, you know, there, there are a lot of different movements within philosophy and even in, oh, I don't know, contemporary theory, but theory I would put in inverted commas. Uh, you're looking at a, at a phrase and an idea like case by case basis, right? Like right. That's case a really by case good basis. example. Yeah. Really yeah. Example. It's, it's so the, Case by case basis always has the no matter when it is used, it always has the whiff of academic rigor. And like someone who wants to make a grander or bolder claim connecting things uh, seems like they're ignoring nuance. And this is like this plays its way out uh, um, on the Internet all the time. Uh, and it, and it, this is a kind of a, a hobby horse for the, for the right, but even also people on like mainstream left is that like, um, well, you can't just, or what, what is it that, that all the conservatives say about school shootings in, in America, right? They're like this lone wolf. It's mental health. It's not, we can't, we can't pull this together. It's not guns. It can't be that there can't be some larger issue. It's, we got to look at the, at the individual, um, at the beginning of the uh, at the of the lockdown here in California, Gavin Newsom, like the day before, like literally the day before he announced the the first like lockdown and in uh, or stay at home order in in America, he said, "Look, I'm not going to lock down all of California because what works for Santa Barbara County might not work for L.A. County." And like he was leaning into this case by case basis thing. Right. And then the next day he announces the stay at home order, and of course it was the right thing to do. And then then things reopen. Also the day after he said like more or less that we was going to be like this until into July. So things start to reopen and now we have another stay at home order. And you can see like, again, coronavirus response, you like all this, there was no federal, uh, you know, nationwide stay at home order. It was all case by case basis. It was all particular. It was all state by state. It was all like county by county within, right? Like, you know, West Virginia doesn't have any cases. Like, no, they don't have any recorded cases. Like, this is not how a pandemic works. It's not like we'll just play whack-a-mole and then it'll be over. It's not. So that I, th- I think is for like, uh, I-, I think is the, cause this happens all the time. And I think this is like a, a big part of our show is that like, it, it's clear that nobody is referencing no, no one on the on uh, on the mainstream like right or left or whatever is referencing Spinoza. They're not referencing the history of empiricism. They're not you know talking about like Locke specifically or whatever. But they are affecting these understandings of the way the world works, and that's just like you know it doesn't it doesn't come from nowhere, right? I guess. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I think it. I think there is something to be gained. I like the way you put that. There's. I think there's really something to be gained to seeing to identifying the theoretical background for what is just happening in everyday life. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some way, that's the whole point of the what we're trying to do, right? With this like, podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to give it a name, and so I think that this. I think you're. It's such a good point about the case by case basis, and I think that what you're pointing at is the way in which capitalism is actually allergic to universality, right? Like it it tries to get us to think of ourselves as isolated particulars without Mm -hmm. any larger universal structure connecting us together. And so I think that's a really, that's why in our particular 
historical moment, I feel like the the emphasis on universality is even more exigent just because as a mm-hmm. response to the to, to capitalism, it's it it is the it is the response in some way. And I think Marx yeah. of all the people, I think Marx understood that. And I think he understood that if you really want to challenge the capitalist structure, you have to do it universally. So what's interesting mm-hmm. is that Marx, he does it, his whole critique of capitalism is a universalist one. And mm-hmm. then there's this strange thing that happens in the aftermath of Stalinism that the left becomes itself allergic to universality, which I think yeah. is a real, to me, that's a real disaster. Like that was, mm-hmm. and so it's figures like Adorno, Derrida, Deleuze, Foucault, this this retreat on the side of the left from, all those guys thought they were leftists. And yeah. they... Leotard, they, right? Like Leotard, postmodern right. condition is right. like one of the biggest right. ones. Yeah. Right, exactly. Postmodern conditions are a very important one in this attack on the universal. And attack, it, it's interesting that it's tied to a, a critique of Marxism, in Adorno's case, a kind of self-critique of Marxism. Mm-hmm. But in any event, it's, it's really, I think there's really something noxious about that turn that happened as Stalin, become, it became apparent what happened in the Soviet Union. Yeah, it's it's really really interesting, and I think like I'm going to pick up the 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 leotard thread, and and um, we can talk about the others. But this, you know, the um, I think this is a classic, um, you know, introduction to uh, literary and cultural theory course thing is that you would read or at least read about leotard, and you would read like, oh, after World War II and the '50s, there was a rejection of meta narratives. And that this this was like the big this was on on the the left right like the theoretical left exactly this reje- this rejection that uh, the point of government is to take care of its citizens how can you say that in an era that saw the detonation of the atomic bomb right like like all all these all these again these grand claims about like what society is or supposed to be they all fall away like we don't have them anymore there are no more meta narratives now first of all, and I, it's just like, I may, may have even said this on another podcast. Uh, we talked about it. It blows me away that no one's response to this was, wait, isn't that the biggest meta narrative you could make? Is there are none, but right. whatever. No, no absolutely. I mean, right, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's like, let's, it's a huge problem. That's not, that's not like being a dick to someone's thing. That's just like, right. you just made the, you said there are no universal claim and you made the most universal claim to make that claim. How do you not see the problem with that? Right. Um, but whatever, but this, this, and, and then you can follow this line of, of thinking, which is like, oh, well, there is no, there is no truth, right? There's just, there are the, there's appearances and then even appearance has been taken away from us. That I think is kind of Baudrillard's position because we don't even have appearance anymore. Like right. we've lost, we've lost appearance. Um, and, uh, th- this, yeah. So like, th- they're definitely like a, like a traumatic moment for like the, um, like political radicals or at least people who think they were like on the, on the theoretical, um, and academic left, um, rejecting this position of, of universality and sort of playing into a more, again, conservative, case by case basis. We look at things in isolation. We don't connect anything. We don't look at larger structures. Like it's really, it's, it's, it's funny that like if, if, if Leotard had said there is no, there are no more meta narratives except capitalism. That's kind of fine. Right. 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 Like that, that, like right. that would be, that, that would be fine. But what, what, right. what, what, the, like what would have changed, you know? Well, I think um, a lot would have changed, right? Like that yeah. would have been a, 
that would have been a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, so, um, that, that's, that's a, that's a big thing. So like the position of the particular, like, like really, um, diminishes or denigrates connective tissue between not just disparate ideas, but even things that are close and tries to drill down, uh, so deep into something that like all, all things are dissimilar from all other things because you've just examined them. It's a, maybe it's a classic forest for the trees kind of thing. Right. Which is, I mean, that's the definition that all things are different from each other and that only names connect them. That's the position of nominalism, right? So there's a, right. Yes. There's a kind of interesting connection between empiricism and nominalism. And I think that that nominalism just is, is predominant today. And I also feel like this, it's tied to this immersion in the particular and, and this idea that my political act really is to wrench my particularity out of the out of what I think is a universal that's oppressing it, right? Like that yeah. becomes that becomes the index of my political engagement is the, the the degree to which I'm committed to some particular against some overarching universal that is oppressive, right? And I mm-hmm. I mean this will get later to what we both. I think this is something we share that we don't, neither of mm-hmm. us thinks the universal is oppressive at all. No. We both think it's emancipatory. And it also, that, that there's no way we both think, I believe that there's no way to wrench the particular out of the universal since, since the universal has a constitutive relationship to that particularity, which yeah. is what Hegel makes clear, I think, in the very beginning of the phenomenology, which we've also talked about a lot in this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's just worth underscoring that like the, um, academically and, um, uh, socially like, like common sense, the, the universal often plays the villain. So you're just talking about nominalism, everyone, whether they, they know how to spell Occam of Occam's razor properly or not, they know Occam's razor, um, is, you know, the simplest solution is often the, the correct one. All things being equal. This is like on TV shows, like everywhere. That's the nominalist position and it is like the, the again the the implicit not the impl- the explicit enemy of that is uh is is universality is like hermeneutics is like freud is like you know a, could you imagine going to um a therapy session with a uh, with occam it's like why did you do that thing well i want to do this sounds reasonable it's probably probably what happened. You thought you did it for that reason. I think that's true, and right. you can that, leave. That, I think you're fine, <laughs> Ryan. That's such a great point that that Freud's entire project depends upon the co- more complex solution being the correct one. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because I, I I I there's a Eugen Fink is a he's a phenomenologist a, a student of Husserl, mm-hmm. and he wrote this little essay about how before we start to talk about the unca- unconscious, we've got to fully understand consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a kind of related to this Occam point that you're making, right? Because the problem with that is, of course, that you can't understand consciousness if you don't yeah. understand how unconscious the unconscious is already affecting it all the time, right? And right. even though there's a, that explanation seems like it adds complexity, it's still, we would both say, more correct, right? Like, yeah that has a truth value to it. And, and I think that the notion that the simple is the true is tied to the empirical ideal, right? Like, because mm-hmm. we start with the, I mean, this is, so, so all of the empiricist thinkers, they thought that ideas were basically just complex 
versions of perceptions, mm-hmm. right? So, so they they become they become le- they become amorphous, abstract, less concrete as they as mm-hmm. you move from perception to idea. Now, so once you think in those terms, I think that you're mm-hmm. never going to be able to fully try to make sense of something that puts it in a larger perspective because every time you do that you're going to think well I've kind of violated the particularity of what I was initially confronting mm-hmm. right and yeah, I think the, I mean to me the the idea that the left has taken that 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 idea has infiltrated the it seems like such a clear right wing idea because it allows you like the ability to make connections that's I think this is it's a kind of Marxism 101. The ability to make connections between things is precisely what allows you to see the way in which capitalism operates and then revolt against it. But if you don't, if you don't make the connections, then you're never going to be able to do that. Yeah, and it's a thing that is particularly virulent in this country, which is founded on individual ideas because then you don't, I don't know, you don't see the genocide being perpetrated every day against the indigenous people who lived here. Like, I mean, it's it's... Um, you know, we, we are like another, like, I think like another, not to add like another thing, but like perception is reality, right? I think that's another nominalist, uh, position. It's a very individualist one. And it's this, like, uh, I mean the, the, these ideas that you just, you do for you, it's, it's, you know, like what, like Adam Smith, right? Everyone lives, practices their own personal freedom, and that's uh, and that's the you know the libertarian position like like the these little particular things and that like I don't know then there there when what well, then then what are the then, then what are the, the the shared experiences are that it's like I don't know annoying to go to CVS or something like it's just <laughs> like 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 the 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 universals get you know and I'm putting them in inverted commas they get reduced to just like oh everyone has to drive somewhere or whatever. And, and it, it gets, it gets a debased to like the, like the lowest form of like, I don't know, observational humor. Like those are the only kinds of connections we have because everyone is living in their own personal particularity, their own individual, uh, individuality and, and doing, and doing their own thing. And that's what it means to have an examined life or something, you know, like, like right. it's, it's just, it's all turned inward. And, and like, that is like, that's the way to experience the world is to have this like this this inward turn and again universality seeing yourself as part of a collective first that's the enemy of cultivating individuality which uh like which is a big begging the question but it's always but i think people um are are more likely to believe that that like if you think of the collective first it means that, that no individuality is possible in right this. Right. Whereas I think this is another position we share. We haven't got to much of our, our competition we'll, of universities. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but, but I think it's another position we, sh- position we share, and that's that it's, it's that you really find the singularity of the, uni- of the individual through the universal, not yeah. mm-hmm. when you turn a blind eye to it. Actually, what you do is you, and I think we would both say this, you succumb to the big other, right? Like mm-hmm. when you, so I would even say this is a nice little formula. Like, Ignoring the universal means obeying the big other. I just think it's, yeah, I think that's, that's nice. absolutely always true. And I think that you're right that it seems like it's a particular danger of uh, inherent to America. But I do think, and Britain, I, I, I think almost 
equally, but, but I do, I, I mean, it does, it does pervade other parts of the world too, I think. Oh, for and sure. Oh, no, no, just, no absolutely. Just because yeah. of the capitalist, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I mean, we're the, we, we think that we invented capitalism here, but I do feel like it does that anywhere that, anywhere that is, it gets you into that thinking, that particularist thinking that puts the universal always, I mean, once you, once you think in those terms, this would be my position, once mm-hmm. you think particular comes first and then the universal is something that is achieved by assembling particulars together, you've mm-hmm. missed it all. There's no way to get yeah. it. Yeah. You have to yep. make the universal the starting point and then discover the particular out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, this is good. They're, they're, um, I'm, 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 uh, caught between two stools as the, uh, as the British say, um, I want, I think this is probably a good time to to move on to the universal, but I do I want to mention one because this maybe is the, like the seed of a future episode. Um, in the trajectory of particularly like American um, theory, inverted commas post theory is maybe the biggest most recent thing that had universality as the enemy, as the announced enemy. This thing called that David Boardwell and Noel Carroll refer, refer to as grand theory, which they right. make up, is this like as this assemblage. Of of um, feminism, Marxism, psychoanalytic theory. Um, I don't know if there's another one that they throw in there, but like to dominate and oppress the academy for film studies. And what they're doing in this book comes out in 1996, post theory, is they're throwing that off. So they've made up this oppressive uni- universal villain, and their uh, recommendation about how to about how to effectively throw it off is to dive into case by case basis right is to, is right. to dive is to dive into uh, is to dive into the particular and that's a way to have a fuller kind of film studies because what their claim is is that these approaches marxism feminism psychoanalysis have their conclusions sewn into the practice right i think is 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 the is the claim no, and so idea. so yeah so we can't we we miss something about film and the study of film if we go with these methods because we have to accept all these premises which guarantee we come to a limited range of conclusions so the best way to get a broader range of outcomes is to delve into the particular and i think as as the, as you just said the last the last thing you said is you've then you've missed it because if you're like this is the thing like um, and I think this is implicit in Boardwell's thing is that like we can get to like a, like a utopia of, of film criticism if we just look at like the very small. And if everyone's looking at the very small, we can kind of come together and uh, and 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 have like, a, again, a fuller range right. of, of ideas and, and, and thought on film. And that is this again, it's this belief in an aggregate of little particulars makes a universal which is not universality. Right. Or, or, I mean, I don't even think they care if it makes a universal, right? They just no, want an aggregate to come together in some kind of amorphous form. And they think that's fine. Well, they want it to be called film studies. I mean, right. I, so they, they, right. I, I, right. I take the point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I, I was just going to say, I think that's a really good example. I, I think there are two even more current examples of this, this reign of the particular. And I think it's the first one would be assemblage theory, which is indebted mm-hmm. to Deleuze. And I think that, you know, and, and Deleuze's whole, and this is, comes mainly in the work with Guattari, that this, this mm-hmm. emphasis on the molecular instead of the molar 
that oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. that is completely mm-hmm. a critique of universality. And mm-hmm. then so that's that assemblage. So even the like avoiding the universal by just working on the assemblage of, of, mm-hmm. of particulars that come together. And then the other one, which I think is, is interesting is new materialism, right? Like the, it, oh, yeah, okay. it often, or new real or speculative realism, whatever you call it. Like it, I think it, or object oriented ontology, I guess is. The, yeah. That'd be a big that's one. Graham yeah. Harmon's. He doesn't, he rejects materialism now, I guess, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny. kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, no, he does, he does it in this book called immaterialism. But anyway, okay. object-oriented ontology, like that idea, it's utterly particularist. Mm-hmm. Like it, its claim is that there are only particulars and that we, through our act of, I don't know what this act is, we make, <laughs> we bring the particulars together to make an object. And then that's, an o- that's a real object. So he uses the example, I, I never could quite understand this, that, that he his argument is that he, he looks at the Civil War, right? And he, he looks, this is in the book, Introduction to Object-Oriented Ontology. And he mm-hmm. looks at the example of the battle. He claims that people wrongly think the Battle of Gettysburg was the turning point, and it's really the Battle mm-hmm. of Vicksburg. So there's this whole analysis of the Vicksburg thing. And, and he's like, this is an, so Vicksburg is an object. That's his idea. Yeah. So, my claim was, well, you could just make anything you wanted. It's such an arbitrary act of your own act. And it's really his own act of universalizing, right? Like yeah. his act of bringing, like his bringing together of those particulars is itself a kind of like, that. that's, I would just say like, that's where the violent move is, not in the, the appeal to the universal. But anyway, my point is just that these are two very dominant ways of thinking today that mm-hmm. are an extension of that particularist impulse that you, I think, very rightly noted in post theory. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's fascinating, and I mean, I think with the with the Harmon example too, it's really funny. It's just like, well, I mean, you're relying on people knowing that the Civil War like brought together exactly. like a whole range of, exactly. of things. Right. Like, I mean, like that. I don't know. It's so funny. It just it's funny to me that like there there is um, always in. I, I think this is this is a, a oh, I would almost say like a universal law of, of criti- uh, critiquing universality is there is always a reliance on a naive version of it, like the that Harmon needs to have everyone understand what the Civil War is <laughs> before he talks about this right. particular thing. Right, like you right. know he even needs to rely on a universally understood narrative. Of the most important battle in the civil, you know that what I mean? Nick like, Gettysburg, you know, so. the 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 right. He needs this enemy that is universalist, yeah. right? Right. It's yeah. a, it's it's, a, it's so striking, right? Like you can't. Yeah. You have to have. You have to have the right enemy. That the enemy has to be. It's so so it's interesting the way in which the universal has to be evoked in the critique of universality. And I don't I don't yeah. know if there's a. I mean, maybe is that fair though? Because. Maybe you always do that when you're critiquing something. You always take part in the... Yeah, well, you well, all, I mean, well not take part in it, but you always have to evoke the thing that you're criticizing. But I guess you don't have to invest yourself in it, and that's your point, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, so I think that's I, really, I really, really nice. Yeah. No, 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 it's great. Yeah, yeah, you don't... Yeah, like, yes. No, that's that's a great word. The, the Harbin is invested in a naive understanding of universality that everyone buys into, 
to right. then make his point about like particularity. Like, and he needs that. And it, the, the uninterrogated nature of relying on that, like of, of needing that, I think like points to, you know, again, issues that we're trying to talk about, but this is, um, so, okay. So this is our, so that now this is the turn we're going to talk about. So what is universality then? Okay. We talked a lot about the particular and I think we're really clear that like, um, the particular is not as, um, and I think I, we talked about this in, um, possibly in the other, uh, universality episode, possibly in the, um, the lack one from 2017. I'm not sure. Um, because I, uh, uh, did a paper there about universality and we were talking about this in that episode. Um, so Judith Butler years, uh, in 2016, I guess, 2015, 2016, um, talked about, um, black lives matter to, uh, New York times, uh, interviewer, George Yancey. And she has this line about all lives matter and why all lives matter is wrong. And I, and I think like everyone knows now, like, this, this is a thing that like people like, you know, good hearted liberals and progressives online continue to be like just apoplectic that people still understand why all lives matter is a problem. And you just got to understand they don't misunderstand. They're making a choice. Right. So it's, right. you know, but, but anyway, this is, this was at the, the, so Butler was explaining this as though people weren't choosing to not see it. And what she said uh, in this interview is that um, all lives matter is a too, I think she may even say this, like is a too soon move to a universal formulation. Right. And that all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Do She almost says that exactly. Right. And it's um, what the way that she sees this is that the all is, the all of all lives matter is actually a thing that we should aspire to. Now, I don't know if in the last four, five years she would revise her position, but this is what she said then. Um, and, and the all is, a, is arrived at through the accumulation what, of particulars, right? Yes. And that right. is her position. And that I is, as we have been arguing, that is theoretically facile. Like that's just, well, it's just not, univer- it's not universality exactly. in it's, the way uh, that we would understand it. Right. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just going to say like, it's just another way of saying particularity. Like it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a way of like, um, it's a, it's a bad infinite right? would, would Hegel say, right? right. Hegel like, would like, definitely say that. And I think you're right to say that it, the problem is that it starts with, it takes particularity as given and then it accumulates mm-hmm. particulars to try to arrive at a universal. And so that's the problem. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's already accepted <clears throat> the particularist game from the beginning and then it's trying to get out of it to the universal, but it can never get out of it because it's accepted the particular starting point. Yes, absolutely. And so I think, um, oh, well, I mean, this is, this is a good place as any. So my formulation. Here we go. Right, we're, we'll get into this. As <laughs> well, I said wait a minute. Podcast, I want to okay, stop you for a second because I, ahead, I, I think it'd be nice to talk about Slavoj's first because he has, oh, a, sure. I think he has a unique, we've talked about this before, you and I, I think he has a unique position that's different than either of ours, and yeah. I think it'd be interesting to 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 lay it out and then to do ours in in comparison. Okay. Sure, totally. So um, I think the book where um, and so Zizek doesn't have a, a book that's just called Universality. Not yet. Maybe next week. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, and th- yeah, right. Like, that's barely a joke. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just how many books happen. did you say he's written this year so far? It's this like, year is six. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. it's shocking. Um, it's it, anyway. I mean, like, I think 
Um, there is a, I mean, this is just a wider topic about, about him, but like there are times where I'm like, you know, it's probably, if he had just, if, if he, if, if his uh, tr- career trajectory was like, just like the big and important books, like I, I just, I wonder like, did he need the little ones to get to the important ones? Yeah, I think just, he he would say he does. He yeah, yeah I yeah. and I don't. You don't know, don't know if that's true. I don't know yeah. if I buy. Sometimes I buy it, and some yeah. when I read him, and sometimes I don't. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. um, so the in a really excellent book, um, from this year, one of the oh, six. Uh, it's such a great book. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Sex and the Failed Absolute. Um, I think it's probably the clo- closest and clearest he gets to articulating what would be his theory of, uh, universality. And there's, uh, if anybody has it, um, page uh, 227, I think is, is maybe where it becomes the most clear, but I'll just, um, summarize and not, not read from the, that page, uh, to make it, I think, clear for somebody listening is his position is that antagonism itself is the point of universality. And so it's not, um, he's, he's really clear that it's not the, um, the exception which may be another way for him of saying it's not the particular, um, but it is uh, an antagonism. Well, itself. I wonder if that's a critique of Ron's here. Oh, that's interesting. It's not literally where in that. No, that I mean page, implicitly. But that's interesting. Implicitly. Implicit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Ron's here, isn't Ron's here's notion that it's the part of no part that is, yeah. if he ever says universal, but I think that's what he, he kind of means that, hmm. right? Yeah. This idea no, I that, think that's. Yeah. That it's the figure of the exception that is the that is the universal. Yeah, and and that, I mean on that page, um, I mean as Zizek does in many books, uh, he is talking about the uh, the the figure of the of the Jew in uh, World War Two as this you know this because uh, he you know because he always does this thing and, and that is um, not use the same examples is not what I'm going to say, but what he likes to do is he, he gives, and I think this is, this is admirable from a theoretical standpoint yeah. is he likes to put himself in the position of having the worst position for an argument and then yeah. show how it is, um, actually like evocative and, and, um, salient of like an idea that kind of overturns the, the situation as such. So yeah. I think that that's why, yeah. I think that's why he, he, did yeah, that. that's really, that's a really good analysis of his style. I think, I mean, but you're right. So, so, his, like, if if universality is antagonism, which I think is what he thinks, then that means there's no way to ever escape some fundamental conflict within the social order, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, so, so for him, political action wouldn't it have to be, let's make the conflict explicit, right? Like, yes, like that. I mean, I I don't think he's ever said that, but I think that should be his notion of what politics is, and I I think he does kind of play he he enacts that in the way that he mm-hmm. when he engages politically in things, but I think that should be his explicit political position. Like the conflict is unavoidable; it's universal. Mm-hmm. Let's make the conflict explicit so that we're not implicitly playing it out in all these ultra violent ways, right? Like I it, think wasn't that his his criticism of Occupy in the United States that it didn't make it didn't make the antagonism yeah, yeah. 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 And then it, he said, remember, you're, you're going to be able to, don't make this just a thing that you'll be able to come back 10 years from now and sit at a cafe <laughs> and celebrate that, oh, I was part yeah. of this great movement, right? And so, yeah, so I think yeah. that that, so I think that's, that's really good, that, that that's his idea, that it has to be conflictual, and that, mm-hmm. and that making that conflict apparent 
is what universalist politics involves. Yes, that is his, that's totally his position. Yeah. Is is that uh, yeah exactly? I think the, that the universal um, that, or no, I'll phrase it this way: antagonism um, take is is the place of, of universality. Which is why and, the only way you can expose the universal is taking up an antagonistic position within your political an existing social yeah, structure. Yeah, in, in, yeah, within a social structure, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so now we go to Engley. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is me. And this is funny, like just this like a meta comment note is that um I didn't realize for this is like like uh, this is weird. I can't tell if this is um if this is pretentious or like or I don't or humble. know what. It's it's probably humble. I think it's humble, yeah. You, you think it's yeah. humble? Okay. Yeah. I didn't think this was my idea. I thought this I literally thought this was from Hegel years ago. This is like maybe before this is before we were doing the show maybe or maybe around the same time we started yeah. is you and I were emailing and over email, I developed the following idea of universality, which is that it, the, the position of the universal, like, so the particular that changes all particulars, that is universality. And I didn't think I came up with that. I thought, it, I thought that was Hegel. I think there's in previous episodes, you, like, you will hear me talking about that as though like I'm quoting somebody else, but that's my idea. <laughs> and it has taken me years to actually wrap my Embrace head around that, that it was your idea right didn't it well, it, wasn't it, ca- it came when i was giving some other podcast right or something or uh no you were in you were in ireland and you said that somebody asked you like you gave a talk and somebody asked you about the particular that changes all particulars and you told me the story that like well that's not my idea that's ryan engley's i can explain it and then i was like that's my idea it was, it was, so yeah. So the trauma of having one's own idea, I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is the trauma. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. So because it may, well, you know what it is, is it makes one vulnerable, I think. Right. Right. For sure. Right. To critique. So that's my position. The particular that changes all particulars. Um, do you want to do yours first or should I explain? Well, no, I I explain that. Well, yeah, I'll I'll say what mine is. So my idea would just in a sentence, because this is hard, I think, to put your thing in just in a sentence. So my idea would be... Well, it's really the, easy for me, Todd. I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, my idea is that the universal is the point at which the society fails. So it's the point of what's missing, this necessary missing point within every okay. society, a necessary point of absence. See, I wasn't as concise as you, but... Well, it's okay. Well, I mean, I may be able to put it in a sentence, but uh, I'm not able to put it in a book. That's in a book that you just put out. Is that correct? Oh, that is correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's called. What's the name of that book? Uh, it's called Universality and Identity Politics. Okay. A lot of struggle over that title, by the way. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. The press. It was. I forget what it was, but but um, the press wanted. What did they want? They wanted something more like against identity politics. Oh. And uh, and. Mari Rudy actually was able to talk them out of that because she's huh. like, look, you're going to get the wrong. You're yes. just going to get crushed yes. by people mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, they're going to take this the wrong way and they're going to immediately yeah. assume it's something that it's not like. So, well, that's that's interesting because like, um, I mean, Barbara Smith, who I think is credited with like that term, like that phrase, the uh, identity politics to talk about like America, like she doesn't mean like everyone should do politics for their own identity. Right. Like it, she's been no, really, know. really clear about this. I know. But, I know. So but, it's that yeah. it's true that a lot of people that even take it up as a moniker, they don't even mean it in the way that it's, beca- that it, that it's understood broadly, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think 
anyway, so that so that's good. So these are the, these are the three positions, right? Like um, um, antagonism is uh, the position of the universal. The particular that changes all particulars. That's the and universality, and then absence. the uh, the absence in a, in a. Are you insistent on a social order like is that? Yeah, absence. Key? Yeah, or yeah, I think it has to be so. I mean, it always manifests itself socially. I think. Okay, absence so. in the sh- in the social is the, is the universal. Well, so, I would say I, I mean just to be a little more specific because I think we're actually it's what's interesting is we're both talking about we're both going to put it in different Lacanian conceptual registers, and uh, mm-hmm. and I, I'll, I'll do. I mean, you'll do yours, and I know you're going to say it in just a second, but mine would be the signifier of the barred other. So that's, to me, yeah. that's the signifier of universality. It's the signifier of the incompletion or the failure of the social signifying structure. Okay, that's good. And mine is the quilting point, right. which Lacan talks about uh, twice, <laughs> and uh, once in um, the uh, seminar three on um, psychoses, um, the psychoses as it's tra- translated into English. Um, and then in seminar five, it gets a brief, just br- very briefly mentioned, very, yeah. very brief. Um, the person who has done the most work with the quilting point is probably Zizek. And, and he's the reason why I, I think people know it, uh, or may know it as a, as a concept. And, right. um, so, okay. So that's, that's mine. Uh, how do you want to do it? Do you want? Yeah, go ahead and explain wanna, it more because I, I I think I, I really like your way of, of talking about this, and I wonder if you want to start with the name way of exemplifying it. Oh, okay, like 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 names. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, because right. you did talk. I thought I think you're because it's interesting. It relates to Alenka's notion of the pet name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So this is something that also. Um, so one of the things that is at stake with my idea that I think is a little bit different from yours is that I think a lot of the time um, folks using Lacanian language, they use the phrase master signifier when they really mean quilting point. Well, can I just uh, say something? Don't you think yeah. that, don't you think that the, the problem, the real problem we're both fighting against is that universality was historically understood as a master signifier. And that's why mm-hmm. people were allergic to it. Yeah, I think that's right. Right. Anyway, right. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. No. 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 It's great. Well, I mean, I think that. I mean, that's that's one of the things that um that that I'm trying to overcome, right? With the particular that changes all particulars, is that like I, I I think that there is like um it's not a signifier without a signified that that is the universal. It's not this like this vague idea of like patriotism, nation, like it's you know, and that that just quilts. Um, activities, groups of people, like like social structures together. Like like I think that there can be an overturning of the of the master signifier through the quilting point is like my my, my position. But uh, so okay, master signifier we talked about in a previous episode. But that is the yeah that's the the classic that's the definition is the signifier without without a signified and it that is how it works is that like you you know. Uh, Todd, tell me what America means to you. Right. Is, you know, like, like how that's how that works is like how like or America freedom. Functions. I mean, that was your other example, right? Like, yeah, freedom. freedom. Yeah. Right. Like, how does freedom work? You know, like that kind of that whole thing. Like, what does it mean to you? That's how that's how the or, or you know, and um, like terror. Right. It's right. a war on terror. It's not a war on Iraq. And, you know, for the Bush administration, it wasn't a war on Afghanistan. It wasn't a war on bin Laden because then it would have been over, right? It's right. like terror. And then you, you know, so... So that's always, fun. in all those cases, it's functioning as master signifier. All those cases. Yeah. And so there's an interesting um, 
corollary or homology, I guess, between Slavoj's uh, Sex and the Failed Absolute and Alenka's book and uh, um, What is Sex? And it comes with uh, names. And this, I think, is, is really interesting. Um, Alenka's position, we talked about this before, um, is that one of the, like, for movement toward a radical politics or like thinking um, psychoanalysis and its radicality involves the creation of new master signifiers right. and her example, that's her position. Masters, that's her position. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and her example is the pet name right. creates a new master signifier in the love relationship, not like baby or honey. She's really explicit, like something that's, that's very, you, that is, um, that names an in you more than you right. of, of, of the, of the partner. And the example that I like from classic Hollywood is um, Adam's rib where Spencer Tracy and um, uh, Catherine Hepburn, they have pet names for each other and they're both pinky with a difference. One is pinky with a Y and one is pinky with an IE. And that's very important. And so like that it's, it's not pinky. That is the thing. It's, it's the, it's the Y and the IE that is what's important in, in, in the pet name. And that's right. what names the in you, the, the, that names the excess. That's very good. Um, do, you know, do you know what my pet name for my college girlfriend was? No, I do not. It was my high school girlfriend's name. Are you joking? I'm me? joking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kept accidentally calling her that all the time. And oh it was just it was horrible. Uh, yeah. So, that but, is so funny. Yeah. I really wish that was true. I know. It would have been a nice. <laughs> no, I mean, it kind of was true, but it was such a disaster. I mean, it was just... She would just blow. She was very an angry person, and so. Why are you always calling Brooke Megan? That's my pet name for her. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, that's really. But she really rightly funny. saw that I must have still desired my high school girlfriend. So. That's funny, Tom. Yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was my pet name for her. <laughs> that's so good. Sorry. So, um, no, 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 it's okay. Um, so I okay. So Slavoj in Sex and the Failed Absolute he talks about um, the master signifier and he just talks about names. He thinks one's name, my name, Ryan, Todd, one's name occupies the position of master signifier. It is just this like, it is the name of a container and that's it. Like, and, and, and like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything like, like, and, and I, I told you this story, um, I had a very, (laughs) this is a very traumatizing moment where I realized this as a young boy where, uh, at my, one of the places we lived when I was a kid, like somebody brought over a dog and I was like mystified. I don't know how old I was, like four or five that like this dog knew to come to people when they called its name, even if the dog hadn't met them before that like blew me away. And I said to my mother or to her, I was like, how does a dog know its own name? And my mother laughed and she says, how do you know your name? And I was like, what? She's like, it's just, it's what we keep calling you. And I was so devastated. Like I I remember, I remember how devastated this was because I thought that my name was like, like there was something about me that my name named. And that's why I was called that. And it wasn't just people keep calling me that name. And, you know, well, that's a great was, moment of, of substance as subject, right? Like that's yeah. really what you had this moment of, you must've it would have been like when you read Hegel's preface, same feeling. Yeah. Right? Same thing. Like, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. And I had this thing too in kindergarten, there were like four other kids named Ryan because, uh, 
Ryan was the most popular boy's name from like 1985 to like 1990. Right. Like that. Right. Um, and so like, I know now it's like utterly meaningless and it's like, yeah, I'm a Ryan from Connecticut, like a 17 freaking million other people. So like, um, but I was called, this is, I think, important. I was called Ryan E. Right. I really right. hated that. All right. And I was like, right. that doesn't name, like, that doesn't name me. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, and so when we, when we moved to Massachusetts, I, one of the first thing that I, we met like the, my third grade teacher and she asked if I had any questions and I was like, are there any other Ryans in this class? And if there are, like I asked my mom, if there are, I want to be moved to a different class Wow, <laughs> where I was, yeah, yeah, crazy, right? Or not crazy, but like I, I thought it was, of course, like I had this thing. I thought it was like, I thought it was so important. I thought it really, really, I thought it was essential. Right. And so Zizek's point, and I mean, I th- is that like, it's, it's not, it's master signifier. It names, it names nothing. Now I think Alenka, when she says it's a new master signifier, I think that the, the pet name, I think that's not correct. I think it's quilting point. You think, think it's a new quilting point or it yes, provides a I, quilting point. It provides a quilting point. It what it does, and Lacan quilting point is, um, and his example, his literal example is like the button on a on a chair, like on an upholstered chair, um, right. that like it it makes the it gives the the chair like cohesion, and it prevents. And I think this is really important. It prevents the batting behind it from slipping out. Well, right. I mean, that's a really interesting point that it, that it, and it's just like the, and quilters use this point all the time to make the two layers of the quilt come together and hold together. So it's really fascinating that for Lacan, it's the point that, and he has that diagram, you know, of, of the signif, the level of the signifiers and the level of the signified, they're both sliding Mm -hmm. back and forth. And it's the one point that where the sliding is arrested. And I think, so it's a, it's, it's fascinating this is one time the translation got it right because the Point de Capitaine really is a quilting point that quilting quilters point. in France, that's what the term they use, just like quilters here use the term quilting point. So we finally got a good translation of a Lacanian term. But um, so, so anyway, Russell so yes. Grigg? What's that? I said Russell Grigg. Like anyway, <laughs> that's, that's right. Good job. By him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I think that that's, I think, you know, that's a really, that connecting and and whole like meaning is signification is held at that point. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and I and Lacan is uh is he's really interesting on this point in the in the text of seminar three because there's this um there's this tension. I if I can find the if I can find the lines really quickly, then I'll I will I'll read them. But if I can't, I'll just sort of uh, sum it up and you'll take my word for it. Um ah, here we go. Okay. So um when he's talking about it. He says this, the sentence only exists, like just any sentence, the sentence only exists as completed and its sense comes to it retroactively. Uh, And we are here in the order of signifiers, and I hope I've made you feel what the continuity of the signifier is. A signifying unit presupposes the completion of a certain circle that situates its different elements. And it's interesting in this, um, again, it's, it's, it's underdeveloped because he talks about it one time and uh, moves on to other ideas, and it's not the master signifier. They're, they're two different ideas. Um, Slavoj develops um, three different valences of the quilting point to support his like kind of topographical investigation of um, uh, being essence notion and just like bringing together Kant, Hegel, Freud, and Lacan, but it's like a little complicated and too much to get into here exactly, but so, but there's a tension. This is what I want to underline. There's a tension in um, the seminar three Lacan with the quilting point of is this not 
it's it's clearly quilting point is in, uh, integral, but is it integral in its contingency or is it integral in it being always already? Because either way, there's this retroactive function that uh, quilt meaning you don't know. Like this would just be a stupid example. You don't know what I mean until right. I get to the end of the sentence. So, right, like, I, there was that pause, and you weren't sure, did the call, call cut out? What, what, right, what just happened? Right, right, right. right. So, like, like you, but you don't know what I'm saying until I get to the end of the sentence. And so there's this, I, I think... I mean, that's the basis point. of short session, right? Like, that's the yes. whole... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that you... So that, so that, I think, is an idea that, that fits in with this, which is it's finding the punctuation. Like, the, the punctuation point might be another way... Uh, of, uh, you know, of saying it that like you, you know, it'd be really like, wouldn't it be really funny if like we had, if we had like a series within our podcast that was called like the short session and it was just me and you talking about nothing until someone said something that was like a little bit interesting and then it was over. Then it was over. Yeah. And then that, that's it. Yeah. And so then there's a couple things with that is it, it makes the last thing that someone's said have retroactive meaning, but is it because that thing really in all its retroactivity had the force of meaning or is it just that now it's over and there's a pause and that's yeah. the last thing yeah do you what, what is your politically if you're thinking of 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 quilting point as the point of universality which do you need it to be i think i need it to be that well i think i need it to be that uh, i've said this to you before like it's a little bit like kairos Right, um, in right, the right. in that it's the right word at the right time. It's like there would like Black Lives Matter names the movement. There cannot be another name for it. Like that's like like we're we're done with the the name of the, of the movement, and and that's it. There's also and I think this is really interesting. Do you know this? Um, do you know this uh, controversy about Hamilton? Um, I do know with it. Tony, yeah. uh, with Toni Morrison specifically. I don't know that part. Okay, so Ishmael Reed, who wrote a play called, I think the, the I think it's called The Haunting of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, he, he, he said recently that um, Toni Morrison partially like um, f- funded him r- writing and putting on this play because she really hated Hamilton. Oh. And th- there's not, like, I don't think there's, like, documents of her saying this specifically. It's kind of, like, on, on his word. But if you just take the idea... Um, and this is like a lot of people have this criticism too, is that, um, rather than going into history and, uh, and writing a play about real, um, Im- immigrants and, uh, and, and like political figures, like people of color, what Hamilton does is it just, it just puts, you know, actors, uh, like just, it just puts people of color over, right. uh, white people. Right. And, that's not a, an emancipatory gesture. This is like a lot of people have articulated this, um, but this is supposed to have been Toni Morrison's claim as well. And I want to like, if, if this is true that like she really hated it, th- th- I just, I just want to like, this is totally speculative and there's no way I could prove it. But I think what she understood and maybe other people did too, is that you only get one shot and at, at like there, there's a moment that is, that is ripe for something and you, you get one, you get one chance to name it. And then when you name it, if you name it wrongly, that's it. You don't get a chance to go back. Um, Kubrick understood this with Dr. Strangelove because it's based on a book called, uh, what is it? Red alert, Red which alert, was, yeah. which was also the name of a movie that was starring. Um, no, no, no. The other movie wasn't named that either. Oh, it wasn't. What was it? Called? No, it was called Failsafe. It was released Failsafe. in the exact same year, but it was serious. It was Henry Fonda was in it. 
That's it. It's exactly. not bad. It's and, a Sidney Lumet movie, and it's not bad. But but Kubrick's idea was right. So Kubrick's idea was you can't film the end of the world seriously. Well, no. Well, yeah. But then even further than that, you can't have the end of the world be a comedy if the same thing comes out, same idea, and it's serious. Like like I, I think he he's like because they sued on on failsafe to get their movie out first because i think they they realized that that they had one shot right you know, right and and i think that this is what i think that tony morrison saw like possibly this is this is my guess that there we were totally in a moment for something like hamilton and if hamilton did like actually this like this excavation, like emancipatory work that like she or Ismail Reed or other people like wish that it did, that it, it could have had a, a different impact. And then, you know, you can make failsafe if you want, but it doesn't, it's, it's already, the it name's already taken. So it's fine. Yes. It's interesting yeah. that, do you know this movie, the founder about oh, yeah, the McDonald's about, uh, guy? He yes. makes, he, Ray Kroc makes the same point. So McDonald's was these two brothers, right? And mm-hmm. and he and then he ends up stealing the business from them. And they're like, yeah. "Why didn't you just make your own? I mean, why did you why did you bother to just do this?" And he said, "You know, no one would come to eat at Crocs, but they would all come <laughs> to eat at McDonald's." And so, yeah. you know, I think that so that's interesting that that's an actual like he ex- he explicitly says that in the film. So an explicit example of what you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's no, that's exactly right. Like because even though you could say McDonald's uh, acts as a master signifier, like um, Crocs, like like that, that, like there's no you can't there's no quilting like like that that would just be overturned right by right. Uh, by by like another name. Like it's it's very very interesting. Like to to look at the the so you you put something out I think um, and. I think you get this, and this is why I, I rather than picking a, a Lacan or notion of um, quilting point that is like either contingent or like the second term always arrives first. Like it's just, I think it's really important to look at, uh, for me, I think it's to look at both and how both of those ideas like exist at the same They're time. They're always at work together. Yeah. For you. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So there's this contingency where like the end is not preordained. Like I don't, like I don't think. Uh, you know, I've said this in an earlier uh, podcast. Like, I, I and I, um, I think that that Black Lives Matter is, you know, I think is a, is a is a universal movement because it is a particular that changes all particulars and in just in so many different ways. Like it, like it's clearly changed the the conversation about uh, social and racial justice in this country and in others. Um, and you know, you have every soccer game in England begins. With, with people kneeling and they've got patches that say Black Lives Matter on it and that's happening now uh, in America. It'll be really interesting to see what happens when other American sports comes back. And, you know, not that it always comes back to sports, but it's just like that's, that is a, it is a particular that has changed, like Black Lives Matter is a movement that has changed like how a sporting event begins. And right. I think just that's, um, that just testifies in my formulation to its uh, universality. But it's also in that like, um, if you read the, um, you know, eight to abolition, they have eight ideas, like how, how we like, uh, um, defund the police and, and, and abolish like the policing, like that's not like that changes the way life works for everybody. Like it's, it's not, you know, like black people, uh, you know, black and brown people disproportionately bear the brunt 
uh, in this country for a very, very long time of violent policing. Like that's like, that's 100% true. If you look at the movement for black lives and, and their policy change, like everything that they would want to accomplish, it's not like, like there, there's, there's no, no, there is no item for which it is just like a single community, for example, benefits from like it's, it's, we're, we're talking about widespread uh, change because that's the whole point of the movement is is to change structure and you cannot change structure by being a movement of the particular you change structure by being a particular that changes all particulars by being a universal kind of movement so that's right right now yeah. it's interesting i mean it's interesting that that uh their their claim is not like like if they were a truly particularist movement they would say we want more black cops for instance Yes, right. exactly. Right, right. And they're right. never yeah, saying that. that. It's interesting no. too that, that that I was reading a little bit about this and that that most of the activists find the idea of more black cops not very helpful at all because no, yeah. black cops in you can see how this would work, right? Like in order to prove them so that they belong among cops yeah. are end up being more violent typically than the white cops. So it's a it's an interesting thing where that the you know like more representation isn't necessarily a better thing at all, right? Yeah, like w- white supremacy is not just for white people. I mean, it's not like the idea of you know the 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 idea of uh, not of Nazism. Like they weren't. It wasn't just Germany in World War Two. You know, they had they had other people fighting on their side and their brand of white supremacy. Like it, it's not uh, you know. So that's I, I think like a really important point. Yeah, like. Yeah. like yeah. It's very easy to fall into, like, again, it would be really, it'd be really nice in a naive way if things really did work that way, that, that all you had to do was like, um, I was reading this, uh, this article in the LA times about like, um, the, they're trying to change these like improv, like comedy troops, like the groundlings and second city and upright citizens brigade, because it's been really bad for, um, like it's, it's, it's like kind of got a country club, hierarchy and so the same kind of people i.e white people but even just like the same brand of comics like get like keep getting promoted within the structure and it's really hard to break in and one of the things that this article is talking about is that they want these troops to um represent the diversity in the community like if there's 29 percent latino then like you know you should have 30 percent in the improv troop be you know latinx and i was reading that and i was like why can't they all be latinx why can't like like the whole the whole point is that like what what comedy what culture has been asking of people of color for you know millennia is you should see yourself in the comic situations of white people like that's that's what that, that's what's been going on so why 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 is it not like why why can't the the groundlings be like it's like 80% black and it's not like oh that's like a black troop it's like no that's the groundlings that's the they're the that's the comic troop like i, I don't It'd be really nice. It would just be, it'd be really nice if that's the way that things would work. That if you just get the right number of people, like a proportional number of people in the right right places, that it solves the problem. And it's like, that's not that, like, that, that really, really misses the problem. So, um, it's interesting too that I, 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 you know, people, a lot of people put a lot of stock in if you just have a certain, and I think this is related to our whole discussion. If you just have certain experiences, like if you have certain experiences with, people that are different from you, then you're going to, your mind is going to be changed. I just think that's not true. Like, I think it's not mm-hmm. true at all. Like my grandfather was incredibly racist and, and every Saturday he had his, a, a black couple come over and play cards with them. So, so, you know, yeah. it's like, it didn't, it, our capacity for making exceptions 
is infinite, yeah. right? So I, I think that that's yeah. so, and I think that's part to me. That's also part of this particularist way of thinking. But I guess my, I'm I'm going to combine laying out my idea and being sort of gently critical of yours, and that is and, sure. And, no, it's fine. So I feel like that the the, the the danger of your position, I guess, is that mm-hmm. it's. I think the 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 contingent element is really unavoidable almost about it. And I feel like universality can't be dependent upon just the, the, our, our engage, you know, interacting at the, or interjecting ourselves, injecting ourselves into the situation at the right moment that instead mm-hmm. I think universality is, is constantly present as a political possibility. And it, and it's, and this is why I think it's, it's always located with what's missing, that that's where universality lies. And so who gets aligned with what's missing? I think that changes mm-hmm. all the time. But I think mm-hmm. that's what everybody... Sh- See, this is why I think it's important to think about what's the, like, the idea of the miss, something missing as, impo- mm-hmm. as, as the universal, because it's, it's, it's so clearly shared by all of us, right? Like well, we all... I just w- go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just want to say, like, I, I mean, I think that I like I agree with that I think that like it requires the the right word at the right time it requires like and and w- which is not inevitable you know like like the name like the naming of black lives matter not inevitable like it requires that to like to touch on that missing piece and I just there's a I don't know if you've heard of uh, this person there's just like a, a minor perhaps uh I, not not to me but perhaps a minor uh, theorist who agrees with me I just want to read this from you uh so all natural disasters inherently place the social order on the terrain of emancipatory politics because they reveal the priority of the collective without recourse to an enemy. Even when a natural disaster demands the erection of firm national and regional barriers, it unites people in their separateness rather than setting us in opposition to them. And I think that this, this person makes a really interesting claim about the particularity of a natural disaster like coronavirus yeah. uh, changing like yeah, I know who rain. that is. Who is it? Who who is that person? That's me. I know who. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I at least I'm not that senile yet. I do remember what I've written, but uh, that's an that's an essay that Todd wrote for Philosophical Salon, where yeah. he more or less argues that the particular uh, that changes all particulars. Uh, so I so I want you to no, contend not oh, just with me, but with you with myself. <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. I, I will actually because I think right, okay. I think the natural disaster is really interesting and and will really make this point of contrast clear that the natural mm-hmm. disaster brings up this absence within the other, right? This absence within mm-hmm. the social. That's always present. I guess that's what, that's what I would say, that, it, that, okay. that my point was just it, it, it's a moment at which we can become aware of the universality mm-hmm. that's always present, but it's not, it's not a moment at which universality appears. Like that's my, that's my, that's the distinction yeah. I would want to, I mean, there, I think there's a distinction between is the universal operative? Are we aware of the universal as operative? And so I think those two things, that's what I, well, I was going to say, that's what I like about natural disasters, but I think we can <laughs> no, just go to, yeah. we could just go to a disaster film and we can see the same thing. We don't have to actually have a disaster, but I, I think that mm-hmm. that's what is appealing about the disaster film is that it shows the way, and every disaster film does this, right? Like it shows the connection that becomes mm-hmm. apparent and made apparent by the disaster, but the connection was there beforehand. Sure. I th- so I agree with that. I think that I, I think I place greater weight on 
it needs to be named and articulated or it is not, it's not possible to see at all. I'm not saying it's not there, but I don't think it's possible to see. I see what you're saying. And so you think the naming of it is the Mm -hmm. actual revolutionary gesture. Whereas I think I want to say it's existence. Yes. And I want to say existence as universal Mm -hmm. is what's really, what really matters. And then naming it, I don't really care. And you right, think, I think so. Yeah, okay. That's the most important thing. Yeah, it needs to be quilted. If it can't be, if it can't be quilted, it can't be evident. And yeah, but if it's okay. Not so it's, evident, it but, can't be actionable. Yeah. Is is here's a question that is kind of looming as you were talking before. So Slavoj's sure. example, of the relationship. I think this is. I can never remember if this is his or mine, but if I were him, I would just take it as my own. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think this is well. We, this whole this whole this whole podcast, one of these sub themes is owning our own ideas. So I think that, that right. But I, I'm pretty sure yours. this is him. But anyway, All right, um, yeah. I think when he goes to explain the relationship between master signifier and quilting point, he uses, mm-hmm. and I think I've used this in class many times. He uses the German and the Jew, right? So that mm-hmm. the German is the master signifier. Mm-hmm. And Jew is the quilting point that I okay. I'm not sure what it means to be German, but I get the quilt of Jew, and then I know oh, I'm not yeah. a Jew. So that's how, and so I know what it means to be German. So how does that? I mean, you would you say that mm-hmm. Jew is the universal there, or you would say, or, or is your point that universals have to function as quilting points, but not every quilting point is a universal? Mm, yeah, that's. I'm probably going to have a better answer to this in a couple of days, but I think I would say uh, the the last thing. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so there I, are yeah. quilting points, like when the Nazis have Jew as their quilting point, I think you would accept that that's functioning like that. Um, yeah. That's not a universal. No, I don't know. Although, although you like, could maybe, you could make the argument. Yeah, yeah. Because it, I mean, it certainly determined like it, like it, uh, it determined the, the, complete function of, of German society and like, just like what Germany did. Right. right? Like for, right. in the same way that, you know, in the same way that, uh, you know, manifest destiny right. was this, you know, right. like this master signifier, but it, you know, like I, this is, I think I would say this is that, um, and this what ma- is what makes, I think why it's hard sometimes to part, to, to parse what, well, for one, part of what makes it hard to parse the difference or like between master signifier and quilting point is that Lacan only talks about quilting point that one time. And so it's sort of like everybody, we're all like kind of making, we're trying to make inroads and, and, and make it make, uh, make sense where there's this other idea of master signifier that's much more well-developed. Yeah. Um, and so we, I, I think we end up relying on, on master that, signifier. Yeah. yeah. To do yeah, the yeah. work I mean, that quilting point. But yeah, don't you think, be, yeah. don't you think somebody should, I don't know who should do it, but somebody should like make, uh, Lorenzo Chiesa has a, has a book called subjectivity and otherness. It's pretty good. And it tries mm-hmm. to show how Lacan sort of moves through his career, you know, from one position to another, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. but don't you think somebody should try to put it all together and make it yeah. into a like here's the system and like th- we're gonna in order to make the system work we're gonna have to because there are things that just conflict we'll just throw them yeah. out right like like phallus it's interesting so phallus in seminar five phallus refers there's he distinguishes between name of the father and phallus but mm-hmm. then ten years later they absolutely are collapsed into each other yeah so yeah. 
So, you know, so it's, I think it'd be interesting for someone to do this thing where they take these critical concepts like quilting point, obviously, 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 you know, like things, 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 and like fit them together in a way that he never bothered. Part of it is because he didn't write any books, I think. Like he just didn't. Yeah, that's interesting. If if Lacan um, fills your bookshelf, it's easy to think he wrote books, (laughs) but he didn't. Yeah. You know, like, and, and it's, um. You know, as someone who, uh, you know, just like to someone who lectures, right. Or someone like to, to be a professor, like you end up, you have a plan of the thing. Like, this is like how, how I do things. I, I think it's similar to the way you, you do things is that you have a plan for how the class is going to go. And then someone could ask a question or something could come up or you could like put something together and you take your, like the whole thing goes in a completely different I know, direction. I know. And you I know? think that happens and, to him all the time. All the time. All the time. And it's like, and then when you, when you're doing, then what you, what you end up doing, I think as a, as a professor is like, you go with that thing and maybe it doesn't have, it's not as coherent. <laughs> it's right. just not, not, not right. like, like over like a, like a, like a track of classes or whatever. And you just have to keep working with it because you, in, you introduce a term, right? Right. Like you've, you you introduce this, this, uh, this quilting point, everyone like, so you got, you have to work with it. And I just think like, you know, um, it's important. I, I think this is like a, maybe this is a, a way of affecting an understanding of there's no subject supposed to know. Like it, it is important to think of him as a teacher in that very specific like regard, which is that like you will say things that exceed yourself and they could be awesome and they totally work. And then sometimes they, they're just lures and they're, they're not as, uh, they're, they're, they're not, not as much substance to them. Yeah. In but a, a I think quilting point is one yeah. that he didn't understand the importance of. Yeah, I right. think like, I, I think that's, that. Well, clearly, that, if it, he never talked about it again, right? Yeah, right, right, right. I think, but but it's such an important idea, and I think you're right that Slavoj is really one of the people who's made it its importance become explicit. But I think you'll be the next person. So. Ah, well, that's kind <laughs> of to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do. Th- I think it's nice that we've gotten to this key opposition mm-hmm. between these two ideas of universality. That for you, the articulation of it. If you're going to see it as quilting point, the articulation mm-hmm. of it is paramount. Yes. Whereas yeah. for me, it's the position that exists all the time. And so how mm-hmm. it gets articulated, I really don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm not so in, I'm not so invested in Crocs or McDonald's, right? Like, I don't care <laughs> yeah, if it's yeah, yeah. like, like, it's conceivable that the people running Black Lives Matter, because it's just, they were just activists. Like, they could, what, they, what if they had said, like, let's just call it All Lives Matter? Right, like yeah, like for the the first term. Yeah, the sure. first that could have been the first term. Why not? Right, easily could have been that. Right, and so then my position would be: I don't think anything has changed. Like I think it's just the same kind of, you know, people would be whatever the opposition. They'd still get an opposition to it. Who'd come up with some other thing? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, so I don't. So I guess for me, how it gets formulated matters a lot less than th- the existence of the position within the structure. And I think the question you asked me is a good one. Like, is that position, is it social or not? Is it always yeah, yeah. only social or is this, mm-hmm. I guess I would say, cause I'm a follower of Hegel on this point that I think it's actually ontological, that there's a kind of ontological mm. universality through what's missing. And I think, I mean, just to kind of tie a bow on the whole thing that I think this is really the greatness of Plato that Plato, mm. I talk about this in the book a little bit, that the Plato, his, 
his ability to link universality what to what's not there is really such an incredible opening gesture in the history of philosophy. And, I, and, and Aristotle is, I think, a, a, a particularist retreat from Aristotle mm-hmm. because he demands that the universal be instated in some way. And I think people misunderstand That's, Plato to say like, oh, he had, there's these ideal forms above our heads that are determining everything. But I think what he's, what he's really getting at is there's a fundamental absence that the, the forms are absent. Right, they're mm-hmm. not. We don't have any. We have no experience of them, and so this thing that's beyond experience and absent is shaping us and shaping all of our experiences. And so I feel like there's a really radical that, and, and even the even the reading of Plato retreats from that. Interesting, you know, isn't it? Isn't it funny? I didn't intend this. I don't think either of us did. But I said I, I likened my uh, position to Kairos, which is. Um, Aristotle, right? Like it's in in the in the rhetoric. I think that that is that's really interesting. Yeah. I think what I think my I think what I would what I what I would say in in response to, to to that is just that like I think the and maybe this maybe we maybe this it's good to have this triad of like my idea, your idea, and, and Slavoj's because I think we um we overlap with him in different ways. Is that I think that the uh I think the antagonism needs to be named, like it needs to be properly in, uh, articulated for the the radical project to become actionable. And I think, um, for you, the form of antagonism as such is the m- more important, the right. only important recognition. Right. Is that right. that accurate? Yeah, I think it's totally accurate. But I also yeah. would say that I think antagonism is a retreat from contradiction. Like I think that okay. I think that contradiction, like given that something is necessarily absence, contradiction is universal as well. And that I think this is Hegel's idea for sure. Uh, and in fact, I think his, he kind of thinks contradiction is universality. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would say that, that, that to, to reduce, to, to demand that contradiction always be articulated as, as antagonism is, a, is mm-hmm. a bit of a retreat from the radicality of contradiction. Right, mm-hmm. because, because isn't it doesn't isn't contradiction? And this is I, I think maybe this is wrong, but I think contradiction <laughs> is internal or can be internal, mm-hmm. whereas antagonism needs some external conflict in order to interesting sustain it. That's interesting because you're making me think, and I mean, um, we I mean we can definitely talk, or I think we have talked about like doing a podcast on. Sex and the Failed Absolute. I think it's arguable that Slavoj collapses those two. Okay, good, good. I, I, I yeah, I think that's it's really, really interesting. I think that because um, I think I, I have think a th- point at which it, I think it's in a yeah. footnote where I think he really insists upon some kind of external conflict being absolutely necessary within huh. the social order. But maybe I'm wrong. So that'll be an interesting hmm. future discussion. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think. Um, well, I don't, I mean, I don't know who, I think, I think that, uh, the winner is, uh, the only way to win is not to play uh, just like the end of war games. Uh, no, that's, I don't think that's true at all. Um, the, <laughs> no, that would, then you're stuck in the particular, right? Exactly. Although yes. don't you think that yeah. war games, I think actually though, he like that to me, okay. I'm thinking you're, you've just, you've. That was a great example of death drive because you you gave me the example that's a perfect uh-huh. proof of my 
position, right? Like the really? like the fail like tic tac toe is <laughs> that's my conception of universality, right? Like the what's universal is the failure of all mm-hmm. those any possible solution to that game, right? But if they didn't name that, the world would have exploded. Why'd they have to? I don't think they had to name it. The computer just had to recognize it. No, 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 no. They had to come up with tic-tac-toe. They had to come up oh, with tic-tac-toe. I see. I see. Yeah. So tic-tac-toe is the name of that failure. Yes. Okay. It was articulate. It had to be articulated to save the world. Yeah. It had to be properly articulated. They had to articulate the, 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 the correct game. Yes. Yeah. I just, I guess I, yeah. Okay. You got, a little, a, you good, got a little excited. Yeah. I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Slavoj wins then. Maybe okay. he wins. Yeah. Right. So uh, watch war games. Watch war games for sure. What a good what a good blast from the past. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>